Happy Thursday, everybody. Thank you for tuning our way for the Riabu podcast. Surviving and prospering during and post-COVID-19 has been the subject of discussion for the last, uh, well, better part of the week. And our focus today is uh, re... What's the word? Regenerating, restructuring, reinventing your costs. Simon Littlewood, I was reading a, a column just yesterday in which the author... Uh, was going on about the things that we used to buy and have discovered that we actually don't really need. Because as a result of COVID-19, obviously there are some things that we used to buy and we can't anymore. Um, it might be the quick hop into another city uh, on, a, on a flight. Now all of a sudden we've discovered that through video conferencing, we don't actually need to go every single time. But there are many products and services where we've um, actually sat back and said, hey, I'm not even missing that. Yeah. How would you how would you take that on board in a business context? Well, you know, one of the things that we stressed when we talked about the things that you need to do quickly in order to adjust to the change in circumstances and the significant reduction in, in, in revenue and commercial activity that many companies are experiencing is to do some things to costs. And in order to do things to costs, you've had to analyze your costs, first of all, in a level of detail that maybe you haven't done for a long time. And then secondly, to your point, you've had to make cost reductions, which you may have discovered actually haven't necessarily damaged your basic capabilities all that much. There are always things that you buy that actually aren't fundamental to your success. So you've learned lots about what is possible when it comes to reducing operating costs, and you've discovered that you can actually make bold decisions when you need to. Don't lose this insight. Make it part of your DNA or, if you like, part of your business culture. So start to use the, the analysis that you've done in order to adjust quickly to COVID and make it part of your standard operating procedure so that every month you track costs as a percentage of revenue, top down as a whole and also functionally, and that you then set targets for every function so that costs come down as a percentage of revenue. And let's just understand what that means. That doesn't mean that costs have to come down overall. If your revenue is going to go up 20%, your costs could go up 15%, but they'd still be coming down as a percentage of revenue. The idea is to de-link uh, costs and growth so that as you grow, you capture efficiencies in your cost structure, which enable you to progressively improve your level of contribution, your level of EBITDA, your level of profitability. Yeah. All right. Well, let's start with the low-hanging fruit, and that is discretionary costs. Um, to what extent... I mean, to some extent, you should have already cut those uh, discretionary costs uh, when we talked about operating expenditure. But is there uh, likely still much room to grow? And is this, in fact, what you're referring to, the discretionary Well, yes. I mean, we talked about how some people are rather mistakenly thinking, oh, I'm just waiting for things to go back to normal. Things are never going to go back to normal. And you referred to one of the major opportunities that companies have to reduce costs as a percentage of revenue compared to what it was like before COVID. And that's that's travel. Oh. You know, many senior executives like me have been dragged kicking and screaming, screaming into the digital age. I spend half my day now on virtual meetings of one kind or another. And you know what? Now that I've learned to use them and to do breakout rooms and polls and all those kinds of things, they're pretty efficient. If you make an effort and you focus, you can do an awful lot of what you need to do by not without traveling at vast expense. And here, sitting here in Singapore, where a significant percentage of the executives that sit in the offices when they're in their offices, uh, they're not now, but when they sit in their offices, they, they, they have regional responsibilities and are traveling all over the place. Well, post-crisis, one of the first areas that you can look at as the revenue returns is compare travel as a percentage of 
revenue before the crisis and set some objectives post-crisis significantly to reduce that using the digital tools that you've all learned to use. That would be one very obvious area. And yes, as you mentioned, uh, there are other areas of discretionary spend. You may have discovered that having to, having to let go your PR people or scale down the spend or scale down your marketing spend or other external or consulting spend, that you've been able to do quite a few of those things yourself, or you've been able to negotiate better lower cost deals with vendors who aren't very in very good shape and are, and are, and are made, prepared to make concessions. There are a whole range of learnings coming out of the first five things that you can now apply to make cost optimization part mm. of your DNA. Yeah. To what extent? And though, is there a risk of cutting discretionary spend, which didn't maybe mean much to you, but means a lot to your staff? I'm thinking here of things like taxi cards or soda machines or other sort of little perks, which, you know, to an accountant's eye would look like discretionary spend, but is actually a very big productivity and morale booster. And well, that would be taken away if you cut yes, it. Yes, I mean, I think intangibles are important, but one way to handle that is, is to give a certain level of latitude at the functional departmental level. In other words, you can say, look, this is, what, this is what I need from you in terms of cost reduction, but provided that's met, you can decide uh, how you achieve it. So if they decide that having a taxi card or having a once a month you know, funded get together uh, is, is, is of value and everyone wants to do it, then do that. But maybe you have to trade some more, some more travel expenses. I don't know. At the end of the day, I'm, I'm all for setting targets and empowering functional leaders to work with their teams to agree how those targets are going to be achieved and let the teams make those decisions. Yeah. Okay. I guess it gets harder then when we move away from discretionary spend into the things that actually have direct input into your products or services. It must be much more difficult to cut costs there on a strategic long-term DNA sort of basis. Well, it depends what you've been doing, but remember you've done things in the earlier stages to change your relationships with your suppliers. And you may well have learned some things about what you can and cannot do there. One of the lessons you may have learned is that if you aggregate, that is, if you buy more things from a smaller number of suppliers rather than spreading your supply around, you discover you can get much better deals, not just in terms of price, but also in terms of how long you get to pay because suppliers like to have big customers. So having learned that, continue to do it because your business is going to grow. And if you do the things that we've suggested in terms of beating the competition and looking for opportunities to sell adjacent products, you're going to need new products from different suppliers. So apply the same optimization methodology to those suppliers that you've learned to apply to your existing suppliers. Um, and uh, there's one final area um, which I'd like you to ask me about, which is automation. Simon, what do you think about automation as a way of uh, cutting back on costs? Well, well, one of the points that we made in the early stages is that there are in the old days when you wanted to get technology into your business, it was awful. You know, people would come with big boxes on a truck and put machinery into the corner of your, you know, and then it was all it was all very complicated. I mean, that, that tells you how old I am. Um, now we've got to the point where you can get really very good point applications off the cloud. That is, you don't have to make any hardware changes in your organization. You can access capabilities very quickly that are going to create efficiencies. They're going to provide you with better data. And frankly, they're going to give you opportunities in some cases to reduce transaction costs. So you should continue to identify and to assess automation opportunities to simplify, remove, variableize. So simplify, make your processes simpler, have fewer, fewer dog's legs, remove. You can maybe eliminate whole areas of activity because it can be done remotely. There are things you can do with the way that you 
match and pay supplier invoices. There are things you can do with the way that you collect and analyze data, um, which include, for example, the use of AI, the use of aggregation tools. And there are things that you can do, you know, to do, using those opportunities to variableize your costs. Because, um, again, these costs are a very good way to ensure that your costs do not grow significantly as your business grows because they're infinitely scalable. And, and this is the wonderful thing, you know, suppliers are struggling at the moment, so they're going to be prepared to cut you a very good deal. So it should also be part of your DNA within the overall context of cost optimization and efficiency to continually look at opportunities to find technological solutions that enable you to reduce your operating costs. We've talked about using digital technology for virtual meetings instead of travel. You know, we've talked about uh, tools that will enable you to procure more efficiently, to bill more efficiently. There are a whole range of things that you can do. Um, mm. And I would encourage you to look at them, yeah. Are there any other questions that you would like me to ask you or can I go back <laughs> to asking you my own? No, I mean, we've, we've, <laughs> we've, we've served up quite a lot of things to do there, haven't we? under the heading of making cost optimization. Well, I do have one or two more. Um, oh, for okay. example, well, you, you've mentioned that we can now uh, subscribe to things in the cloud. And that certainly, you know, replace the, the big installed uh, software base, for example, You're paying monthly, paying monthly fees on a variable basis rather than uh, rather than big bucks. But when it comes to automation, perhaps buying new equipment, you know, we see airlines do this, for example, they, they buy newer jets because they're more fuel efficient. We see this in the shipping industry where they scrap um, ships after only 10 or 15 years because the new ones are more fuel efficient. How much, therefore, should you invest in lowering your cost DNA? Well, that's a very big question. But if you're, you know, the difference between balance sheet and you're talking about the difference between balance sheet and costs, you know, um, the answer is that depending, it depends what industry you're in. In, in, in. in some industries, new kits gives you higher levels of efficiency and you should be selectively acquiring that. I'm not sure we should go down that particular rabbit hole because, um, because so many industries are different. I think if you can, if you can understand the principle that costs as a percentage of revenue or percentage of growth should go down, then and that you systematically look at every area of your cost you should get your finance team to break out your costs you should make sure that they're scrutinized on a continuing basis and that you embed and encourage and reward behavior that constantly seeks to cost optimize that doesn't mean that you become a scrooge and make life miserable but where there are decisions as you quite right quite rightly uh, mentioned between things that are nice and, and build team and build your your culture and the need to cut costs then let let your people decide which ones they, they do um you get more ownership and you achieve your cost reduction objective yeah thank you very much simon are there any other questions or uh shall we, shall we look ahead to the next one uh because oh, yes. our final our final episode uh is going to be about uh in our series on surviving and prospering during and after COVID-19, it's going to be about um, matrixes. Are, are you thinking of the movie here or, or something else? Well, I, you know, I, I wouldn't have said matrix. I mean, um, but, but one of the trajectories that you followed is you've had to make everyone in your business responsible for costs and profitability in a way that maybe you haven't done before. So, for example, your sales team has become much more aware of the need to manage working capital effectively than it was before, because it's a life or death thing in a crisis, whether or not you get paid and whether or not you've got an appropriate level of liquidity. Your purchasing and payables people have had to understand how you can build stronger relationships with suppliers and so on and so forth. In other words, 
generally across the business, you should now have a higher awareness of how each individual function supports the profitability of the business as a whole. So move away from having functional objectives and functional rewards to a set of shared objectives and rewards which put everyone on the same footing in terms of driving towards one outcome. And we'll talk a little bit in, in, in detail about what they might be, but essentially what it means is that everyone's moving in the same direction in order to drive shareholder value and profitability. Yeah. And that's the focus of our next conversation in the next podcast. Thank you for today, Simon Little.